Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast in the multiverse. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Come on, give me a follow out on Twitter at Clinton Bond. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Shelton. Find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. I'm still, I have, I, much like three in, three out, the sober yin, the raging yang, the, the landing gears down. However, I'm still kind of flying high here, Brandon. I, I, it's, a, it's a mixed bag of emotions where on one part, I'm quite sad the season's over because I feel like we're starting to play what is our best ball of the year. And the other side of me, it's like it was almost a fairly satisfying end to a season in a really weird way. So don't know if you're having an internal tug of war like I am, Brendan. So how's it hitting you, man? It, it is a little bit different finishing the season with a win. It's not something that we've experienced. Now, it's not the greatest thing because obviously it's especially when you look at the division standings and there's one team not going to the playoffs and it is our Seahawks. Yeah. So, yes, it is a little bit yin, a little bit yang. And so, yeah, I don't know whether to have a raging yang or not about this. Yes, I guess the folks in the Discord would let us know about if we're having a raging yang or not. They could be the judge. Um, and, you know, I went, this was also for me, I, I very much try and go back and watch every single game. I'll take my notes during the game that are kind of like my my first pass. You know, that that's like you almost like see something, jot down something. It's like, ooh, that probably can be that might be an in that might be an out. And I get a fairly large ledger and then I whittle down from there. And then on the rewatch, we kicked the crap out of this team. This wasn't close. But, you know, besides the the early mistake with the, you know, that they get the first seven, there was the bad interception. I, I don't even I don't even care. It's it's we really, really we we moved them on the offensive line. We converted on third downs. We we had the the deep shots like this, and we, defensively, we were pretty smothering once again. Like we, we, you know, besides a few idiosyncrasies here, little things that went went didn't go our way. Man, we really smacked this team around. This this Cardinals team, they're limping in, you know, figur- figuratively and literally into the playoffs. And I don't know. I I, I think they're 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 traversing f- towards a one and done, which would kind of make me happy. I don't know if they will be one and done because the team that they're going up against also seems like a one and done team in the Rams. So, yeah, I I guess I'm struggling with which one of these teams that's limping into the playoffs is going to struggle in this first round the most. And I don't know. I think I'm kind of leaning toward maybe and maybe I just want the Cardinals to win more than the Rams. And that's that's Mm -hmm. why I'm, I'm leaning more toward the Cardinals. Just because I don't know with the way Stafford is playing and throwing picks and pick sixes, I, I do feel like the Cardinals can bounce back and uh, and get them next week. But we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Like my my wish as a NFC West you know uh, person here and and fan, my hope is that none of these three teams make it to the NFC Championship. Like just get eliminated before then. Yeah. That'd be super cool. Like wipe, wipe all of you out. You're all not that good anyway. And the cream of the crop is actually external to the division, which is actually interesting because preseason, everyone's like, yeah, this is the best division in football. And maybe it proved out that way. Maybe it was like, hey, Seattle at seven and 10 but with a DVOA of freaking eight, the eighth best DVOA in the entire league. Sure felt like we were a playoff team. We just, you know, it's again, going back to it kind of sucks. We just blew it. You can't lose to the Bears. You can't blow a game to the Titans. 
you know, the, the Pittsburgh and New Orleans game we've been through already. Uh, the Washington football team, we couldn't we couldn't get anything going. So, you know, nobody here to blame but ourselves. Absolutely. And, you know, the way they closed out this season, too. Uh, now, I think we looked at the schedule going into the season and said in the second half, yes, it, it does get quite a bit easier. And man, oh, man, you can't lose to the Bears. But nope. Hang on to that win against the Bears. And this team, after the Russell Wilson injury, closes the year with five of six wins. If if you hold on to that Bears lead, which everything went wrong to lose that lead, uh, which I'm still not over, but uh, it, you know, it just, it feels a whole lot different if you're closing the season and it feels pretty different anyway, closing with four or six wins, but five or six, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a magnitude better. Yeah, it, it is better. The, the mathematics do not lie. And, you know, uh, it, just quickly wrapping up the preamble here. It was just, it was really nice. It's the best way I could frame it to just see the, the love and passion, like from this team still, like you, even though it's even though the season's over, um, getting to see some some younger players out there. But really, at the end of the day, this was running the football quite effectively, an offensive line moving people, Russ being hyper efficient, and then Russ being fired up along with Coach Carroll. Like, you know what? If that's the way that ends this year, uh, I'm okay. I, I could have solace in the fact that we kicked the crap out of the Redbirds. They ain't that good anyway. They could suck it as they head into the playoffs. We'll sit back and watch the NFC West hopefully, you know, deteriorate like uh, after Thanos uh, snaps his fingers and watch some others go on to whatever, battle the Chiefs or battle the Bills, whatever that might be over there. So, Brandon, we are in three and three out. And, Brandon, there's only one rule that governs us for three and three out, the Sobri and the Ridge Yang, the whole thing already. But I always, even, you know, what, four years in, I still can't remember the one rule. Brandon, help me out, please. I will help you out for this one final time of this one final season. And the thing is, is you're going to forget it this offseason again anyway. So I'll have to remember. Probably. I'll have to make notes down to write this, put it up in the podcast studio. So when we come back and do this for another season, we can't forget it yet again. But when we win, Clinton, we start with an N. We start with an N. I'm fired up. Let's get to it. Let's get to that first N because it's a doozy. Brandon, you know, Brandon, 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 you know, I like to wet that canvas a la Bob Ross style, the liquid white. You got to get the canvas ready for the oils. So let me do that here. It's Q1, seven to seven, about 950 to go. Seattle's at the Arizona 32 yard line. Obviously we have the, we go down seven, nothing like we talked about real early second play of the game. We have a beautiful drive to make it seven, seven. And then, and then it's, you know, a little, little back and forth with the Cardinals. So this particular play the play, the play right before, so folks can kind of get a mental picture of this, Russ does a little uh, read option keeper, and he goes no yards. But again, good to see. Good to see that he pulls it down. It's like, okay, I, I realize sometimes that's not going to work. That's all good. And we're sitting in second and 10. And again, this has been a zone for us this year where we crap out. Yeah, that We're at the 32-yard line, the 37-yard line. Very often, we take a sack and we're punting from like, you know, the opponent's 43. Like a super frustrating area of the field. Not today, man. So on this second and 10 play, you got, uh, it's not four wide receivers because I think one of them is Everett, but you got four wide. You got one dude like to the left and I think they have trips right. And Metcalf is one of, the, one of those guys, but he's in the slot. And it's pretty cool because the play just before, Metcalf is, is far, far uh, wide right. So now he's sitting in the slot. What this does is a taste of, of you know, the medicine we've been drinking all freaking year and it puts DK on Chandler Jones. Mm. DK does a little okey doke 
He's wide open. Russ hits his back foot, fires the ball. Uh, DK does his best to drop it, but he but he holds on to it, <laughs> and it becomes set, it becomes third and one. And then the next the very next play, I think it's a Russ sneak. It, in fact, it is Russ sneaks and gets the first down. There were beautiful passes to Lockett. There were beautiful runs by Penny. We certainly, we'll, we'll probably talk about all that stuff. But a simple second and ten to make it third and one using DK against a linebacker over the middle of the field. That's where I want to go with this in because it just it was emblematic of. Dude, when we use the whole field and the players we have and Russ is on time, this is what it looks like. We, we should have put up 41. Last week, we put up a 50-burger. This offense was cooking, man. This is the way that we want to see this offense roll. And yeah, when, when you point to a second and 10, this is usually the area where, gosh, you're, especially if they're throwing, it's, it's usually, you know, Russ is looking deep or holds the ball right. too long. And something bad happens, but he, yeah, he dropped back and, and hit Metcalf. And I thought, you know, you, you were explaining this on the right side. I, I was thinking this was on the left, but uh, I, I could be thinking of a different moment in the game too. But when you brought up DK bobbling it, still managing to hold on, thank goodness he did that and uh, move the chain and almost move the chains on this play. Yeah. And there was a lot, there was a lot of good use of the, of DK and Lockett too, there were a couple more times. One one really nice play to DK got called back with uh, I think it was I think it was either a holding or something. It was something they did, but same type of thing where great blocking and he's just cut. He's just dragging. He's just dragging across and he catches it. He's wide open. He ends up going for like ten more yards. It gets called back, but it's like okay, whatever. Oh, you know what it was? It was uh that play was interference on Everett. Oh, they that's like right, because he he just got yep. his shoulder into the dude a little bit uh, a little yep, bit too hard. Yep. But but the but the play and the concept and the timing that was all like again chef's kiss. And then later in the game, another one where uh, Lockett converted. It was a basically you know good looking little out like ten yards downfield, but it was like a third and fifteen or something like that. And Lockett is on freaking Chandler Jones. So just uh, you know, I want to wrap all this in the we've been talking about Shane the main brain all year long. And what is this supposed to look like? This to me was the culmination of what this is supposed to friggin' look like. I'm tired of Chandler Jones eating our lunch. And in this game, we served it right back to him. You want to go cover DK and lock it with Chandler Jones? You're going to pay a price. And, and we made them pay a price. We out schemed them top to bottom. And that's why it freaking felt so good, I think. Now, we, we can't say that we completely took Chandler Jones out of the game, and maybe he'll show up in the uh, in the discussion in some of these outs, but I, I felt at least he wasn't eating our lunch all day. And so, yes, I guess that's an improvement. All right, hit that, hit that whammy, because I got something for you right on the heels of that. Brandon, you are, you are, you know, Did uh, I mama Cleo here. this? No, <laughs> yeah, you definitely may. Yeah, the, the, the crystal balls are, are, are very crystal clear today, so I'm going right to it. Second play of the game, Chandler Jones smacks the ball away and they go in for the 7-0 the, the you know, lead right away. My, my challenge with this was I saw lots of people like on Russ, like, oh, well, hit his back foot. He should have gotten rid of it. And I, I hear you. I understand that. I get that. I, but I have a way. My problem was I hear like Schlereth, you know, Stink talking about this on the broadcast. And I see most of Twitter being like, this is on Russ. I, I'm like, maybe, like, what about the fact that Chandler Jones, the dude who has built a Hall of Fame career, like literally on our action green backs, we did not touch him. We didn't, we didn't scheme it. We didn't block him. We didn't get a chip on him. 
we decided in the second play of the game to not touch Chandler Jones. Right. I So to me, it's got to go there. It's like, I don't know if it's, uh, I think it was Parkinson who could have had a chip or just, who you know, uh, maybe Curran could have slid over on the right-hand side. I don't know. But if you're going to blame Russ, let's blame the freaking, like, why was Chandler Jones back there within a half a second? So to me, that was that was the out. I was really happy to see that we did make Chandler Jones look, look you know, like a, a slower, more aged, uh, you know, end at this point later in the game, which we just talked about. But to start it off, I'm sitting here head scratching going, how in the world is Chandler Jones untouched on the second play of the game? Yeah, the one guy, the one guy that you know going into this game that you have to stop on their defense because he beats you every single time. I feel like it's four sack days for Chandler Jones every single time the Seahawks face this guy. And well, yeah, didn't they, they even talk about it on the broadcast that he has more sacks on Russell Wilson than anybody? And he's yeah. in the division with Aaron Donald. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's the guy he's competing with. To, and, and he's always seeming to dominate against this Seahawks offensive line. So you have to come into the game with a plan to stop him. And you don't on the second play of the game. And it ends up leading to the touchdown, I, whether it's on Russ, whether it's on the Seahawks offensive line. Gosh, you can throw it on Shane Waldron for it just feeling like there wasn't a plan for him immediately out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And one one other thing I saw a lot in the Discord and Twitter was there was a lot of like, oh, man, Waldron really didn't have a plan to start. You know, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. You know, like I, I wanted oh, yeah, to kind of that be like and then not execute the plan. Well, well you know, sometimes what would Mike Tyson say? Like everybody has a plan. So you get, you know, basically punched in the face. Right. Yeah, so like that was we got, that we was got our punched wrapped, in the face moment. Two plays yeah, we in. got wrapped in the face. And the reason the reason I, I could rebut some of that Waldron didn't have a good plan to go in was because the very next drive was freaking beautiful. When yeah. we were down seven nothing, got the ball back and went right. And that's the Tyler Lockett you know, a rainbow connection for the touchdown where he barely gets in, but the entire drive set the stage for, oh boy, we're going to move the ball on this team today. So it was, it was quite nice. So, Hey, we won, we beat a, beat a division rival. So, you know, we're going to take these outs and, and curve them back towards the end. So hit that celebration button. We got some more ins to celebrate. Now we're into Q2 here, Brandon, 7-7, 12-34 to go. Arizona's got the ball on the 21 yard line and it's third and one, third and one. Um, there were there were a couple of plays, uh, a couple of series throughout this game where it kind of looked like Arizona had a shot. Arizona in, in one at one point of the game actually looked like Arizona could could run away and hide with this thing for a, for a brief moment in time. But plays like this kept coming up that were huge, huge, huge like momentum stallers, which were really big. So the way this whole thing ends is that Matt Prater kicks a whatever it was forty something yard field goal. But it was it was that 19 play drive where they kick the, where they have to settle for a field goal. We've talked in the past about you know three, three eight seven, but in this particular in this particular play, this is also the drive where Rasheem Green hopped offside on like third and four, right? And gave gave them gave them that freebie, extended that. So now it's third and one, and again Green had Green had that bumble earlier where he went off sides, and and you know it's a nice arc, nice retribution story here. So this time. You get David Wells, the tight end from uh, number 41 from the Cardinals. I think it's coming to our side. I think he's in motion. And Green does such a good job here, Brandon. Like they engage right away and he's able, it's like, it's the perfect execution. Like what you see in, you know, August when they're doing, when they're they're doing their practices where he just like stands the dummy up, throws the dummy to the side 
And at the same exact time, Diggs really slants in hard. So if Green doesn't beat his guy as cleanly as he did, Connor has an ability just to bounce it outside and probably go get whatever, three, four, five, six yards very easily because Diggs really committed, committed down. But Green does such a good job of, of just cleanly beating Wells that, that it allows Puna and Diggs to make the tackle and the tackle for a loss, and they got to settle for that field goal. There were just moments like this throughout the game where there were these little little retribution arcs, and I love this one so much because you know it's 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 the the beauty of Green just out executing a guy, and then the rest of the team there, including Puna. Puna had a nice, really nice day out there, right? And that them just kind of being there in in a supporting factor, like Green didn't like to have to do everything. What he had to do was beat his guy and be cleanly in that gap and string Connor out. And that's exactly what he did. So really love that play. Really want to give the love to, to Rasheem Green there. All, all eyebrows deserves it. And in a game of, uh, you know, a game that could have went one way or another, I thought we had a couple of third and one plays that were super interesting. And this is one of them. Yeah, Green, actually, he was more on the out column for me on this day with that penalty, with yep. some missed tackles on the day. But for that retribution moment, because that that entire series was incredibly frustrating. And we are talking about an in here, but uh, gosh, they had a third and 14 at one point that ended up they, they get a 13 yard pass to, to Earths that puts them in fourth and one. They get it there. Then they convert on a third and two. They convert later uh, with the the regime green penalty. And yep. yeah, it uh, it was a very. Very frustrating drive. They had a third and one where Connor went up the middle. So, yeah, it, uh, it could have been a really long drive if Green and Diggs don't combine to make that play right there. And still, it was a 41-yard field goal. So it's you no know, gimme at that point either. Uh, but a lot of time off the clock by the Cardinals there. That potential swing of points and even time that I think keeps the Seahawks in this game they get it right back and, you know, they're scoring a touchdown to to get ahead after the series. Yeah. And, and very often if it's like a, you know, if you if you allowed a 19 play drive, very often that that's going to end in six. And I think even watching some of the uh, the national championship game last night, that was kind of what ended up doing doing you know, Alabama in for a while or Georgia in for a while until Georgia exploded late to, to take the game. But there were a lot of these like longer drives that just they couldn't get seven. They could not get seven together. And, you know, hey, th- three is better than than seven when you're on the defensive side there. Um, yeah, we'd like to get off the field a bit sooner on some of those. However, the end result is the end result is the end result. And that, that's certainly a good thing. So, all right, Brandon, we got another out to hop on over to. So hit that uh, hit that whammy. We'll do this up and we'll this one's going to be interesting. I, I hope how folks don't get uh, don't get don't get too mad at me for this one. Ooh, I want to see where this one's going now. Welcome back to three in, three out. All right, we are on the outside of the ledger. Now it is Q3, 17 to 10 Seahawks, 12.25 to go. And Arizona's got the ball at Seattle's 35-yard line. So here's the deal. Q3, the start of Q3 was interesting, right? So this was this was the the part of the game where that the challenge with like the Titans game or challenge with the Bears game, the games we were talking about earlier, where we've had flat, really flat uh, quarter threes and and in the past this season they've cost us the game so I want to go into one here where this is a screen to Ertz 
So Ertz, Ertz takes a little screen to the left-hand side. It's actually nicely set up. By the way, Ertz is still a good tight end. Just straight up. That was a good trade. That was a good good play. You know, just really, really nice to get him in. Ertz is still a, a high-caliber tight end in, in the NFL, and he showed out quite a bit today. I think he was probably the, their most dynamic guy because it turns out A.J. Green doesn't have hands, by the way. He just right. doesn't. He, he gave up hands for Lent or something like that, so he he's gave, just trying to he, catch he with the He gave up hands, for, and for some reason, Ertz was the guy in this game that the Seahawks defense decided that they were going to give the five-yard cushion to. Yeah, and in this cushion, so Mayoa plays it well. Mayo, Mayo is like trying, you know, trying to get there, and Brooks, you know, to, to the point where Brooks has a one-on-one with Ertz, and he just misses. He just miss. He just flat out misses him. And the thing I want to call out here is, it's two things I want to call out. Listen, I really liked what I saw. Brooks had a, I think, a very good year. I think a, overall, like you look at the whole, the whole spectrum. I also liked seeing what what Barton was giving us, and it definitely will breed lots of conversation as we head into the offseason of. Do we really want to pay Bobby Wagner $20 million a year to go play linebacker when I think we probably saw you probably just don't have to, is what it boils down to. This is this is not a this ain't this ain't a good, bad, ugly, this ain't, this ain't a testament or, or a judgment on Bobby Wagner. It's like where should money go if if you have a finite resource and is 20 million you know APY smart? Maybe not. So we got we gotta think, we probably gotta think about that critically. But on back-to-back plays in this drive, it's like there's still a big delta between Wagner and Brooks. Brooks is becoming a nice player. Wagner is an all-timer. Brooks misses that tackle on, on Ertz. And then that same exact drive, there's a dump off to Connor and Brooks can't tackle Connor. And Connor goes in for the touchdown. So it's like that gap between, dude, you had a good year, but uh, but you but you ain't great yet. Um, and it's showing out. So I hate to put an O on Brooks after a good season, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna put an O on this and say, Really, you know, hey, you broke records. Love, love what you did. Good season, but dude, if you want to be at Wagner level or close to it, you can't have two missed tackles within one drive that, that results in a touchdown. Well, and just looking at Pro Football Focus on Jordan Brooks, uh, this, this number matches up with the eye test for me for the whole season. Jordan Brooks coverage grade by PFF forty three point four, which is not good. Yeah. That's that's hard. I mean, I think that's partly partly scheme, right? Partly why it you broke the Seahawks scheme. Record. It is, and you know, you see it in terms of the number of yards given up, uh, the number of targets. You know, 104 targets going Brooks's way, uh, according to them. 92 receptions. You know, that's 89 percent of passes that were thrown in his direction, according to PFF, that were completed, which is good for a thousand yards receiving too. So the the number that's Actually, a little bit concerning with that, though, is yards after the catch. It's 658. Mm. So it, it just goes to show. And, and I think part of it is scheme, but I think part of it is Brooks, too, in, in missing tackles or maybe not being as sticky uh, to the guy within his zone. And I, I think that they're just as you're pointing this out with the out, it, it leads me to think back to the whole season. And it seemed to be a consistent issue, not just this game. And I think in, in this particular series too, one thing that I would say to his credit was if you go back and watch the you know what led up to these two missed tackles, it's the deep pass to, to Christian Kirk, where like Brooks is covering him and he's right on him. And it's it's Kyler Murray's be- best pass of the day, bar none. Like he just literally drops it, it drops in the basket, and Brooks doesn't even know it's coming. He just doesn't realize it's coming because the, the wide receiver does a really nice job to to mask uh, to mask his intent. So I, I do think maybe also he might have been a little like actually a little winded. He's covering a guy 25 yards, 30 yards downfield. 
It's a lot to ask. And he comes back and makes kind of back-to-back bad plays there. So listen, the bottom line is it's an out for Brooks for, for this game within a season where I'm, I'm still excited about him as, as a draft pick. I think, it was a, I think it was a solid draft pick. And as we head into next year, it gives us uh, room. What it boils down to between Barton, Brooks, and Wags, it'll give us room to figure out what's the best combination given the money scenario and where should money go, O-line, D-line, et cetera, et cetera, or into linebacker. So, uh, so again, the out is really an in for the overall year. However, dude, if you want to be like Wagner, you got to make tackles. Last in of the season. Well, not, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I take that back. I immediately take that back. Uh, but that's a, but let my last in for the season here. So Q3, 24-17, 528 to go. Now it's a second and one. Arizona's got the ball. And Brandon, this is after a dreadful start to, to Q3. Dreadful start. This is the Russ interception. They score two touchdowns right away. And this is what I hinted at earlier where it was like, oh man, Arizona has a chance to to run away with this game. And we've seen it. We've seen it before. We gave up 14 points right away in, in the third quarter and they've got the ball again. So this is after that really bad start. Also, this is after a nine yard run by Connor to make it now, now to make it second and one. So it's like, oh boy, they're, they're starting to hammer the ball. They've got the momentum. Let's see what happens. The next play though, the next play is, is freaking huge. So it's, it's now it's a second and one. And on this particular play, it's a handoff to Connor to the, to the right-hand side where he's going right. And in this play, what I love is this, this triad of people who win and win big. And Kimdiche, Kimdiche wins. Mm-hmm. He beats his dude off the line so cleanly, like jumps inside. He's chasing Connor down. Barton slashes through a hole. He beats his guy. They string Connor out to the right-hand side where it's going to be like, you know, no gain or a tackle for a loss. And then it's a combination of Josh Jones... Cody Barton and Kim Diche, who made the disruption in the first place to get a tackle for a loss. The next play goes for an incomplete pass and they have to punt the ball away, which leads back to Seattle getting the Swain touchdown, the wide open, awesome, awesome scheme play to tie this thing up. So again, it's like these little moments where they are one yard away from either eating four more minutes of clock and then potentially getting on a good drive and dudes like Barton, Josh Jones and Kim DJ come together to make a stop. Man, if that if that ain't a cranny, if that ain't Lynn in this, you know, 2021 season, I don't know what is, Brandon. That's my end. Yeah. And on a second and one, too, where gosh, you 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 get into that kind of situation and you're thinking, okay, well, they have James Conner. They, you know, you can run it twice and still pick up one yard, right? And yep. uh so they they gave that up on third down and decided to throw it to the guy that uh forgot his hands. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they'll get him back in the playoffs, but this is a different team when you're counting on a guy like A.J. Green in these big moments. And we we saw it here on this third and one. And it was that big play by the three guys that you mentioned. Josh Jones, I, man, you know, talk about a guy who they found these guys that have come in and have seemingly performed well uh, late in the season with a depleted secondary and whether it's Mike Jackson, whether it's Josh Jones, that this is a reason why we're going to have, you know, you brought up the tough discussion with Bobby Wagner. I think we're going to have a tough discussion uh, about DJ Reed and whether or not it's all that big of a deal if he ends up staying in Seattle, too, with the way they've been able to find some of these guys with Trey Brown kind of on the bench in waiting after his injury. If he can bounce back 
and be the guy that we were starting to see early on this season. So, uh, yeah, this I, I'm fired up uh, to to see what this team ends up doing this offseason. And if it, if anything was cemented this year, it, which I'm not even sure needed cementing, but but it certainly was is the idea that, hey, you know, Pete and company can find can find DBs and get them and get the right ones to play in their system and play pretty well. With that, you know, DJ Reed was super inexpensive. I think he was making, you know, from from uh, from football terms, I think he was making like six hundred or seven hundred thousand oh, yeah. dollars this year. Yeah. Like not nothing no, in football terms for a starting cornerback, nothing, right? Nothing. He's gonna I, get paid, I do though. like he's gonna get paid. Yo, know, he's gonna get paid, but I do like what I've already heard. You know, we 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 talked about, you know, is a team run it back? Does culture matter? And when and when a when the game's over and you see uh, stuff come out on Twitter, like the day of the, you know, the day of the game, the last game of the season where Al Woods is like, Hey, I spoke with Schneider. I'd love to stay here. And you see DJ Reed say, Hey, it's gotta be the right, the right price point, but I'm not saying Seattle has to be the highest. Like I love, I love it here. Right. Um, you kind of get that across the board. And I do, I, I'm still a huge believer that Carol has built a, has built a very strong culture. And in this weird year, it ended fairly strongly that uh, it, it's it kind of you know it, things are kind of in our favor. We'll, we'll see we'll see how it breaks. We'll see how they spend their money. We got plenty of time to talk about all that, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, and we're, we're fairly well set up. Of course, that is as long as Russell Carrington Wilson, you know, is is back under the helm because at, at least Brandon, after all the crap last off season and all the tumult this season with the finger. And what's going to happen, and and the the rumors starting already. At the very least, we got to see Russ go play his game the last couple of weeks, and and probably shake us all loose. Be like, yeah, what are we talking about? You know, it he may he may end up getting traded. That might be a real thing. However, I think every Seahawks fan could be like, yeah, but we shouldn't. Right. <laughs> like, there's no <laughs> way we should trade that dude. Do everything we got to do to make him happy, bring him back, and and in that in that way, run it back with him because. He's a special Hall of Fame talent, which is uh, which just doesn't come along that often. Uh, now, look at you. You're putting your Mama Cleo crystal ball uh, in front of you, too. I, I think you're leading into this next brand in nicely. Well, very good. And hey, I'm going to ask you a favor, not just a brand in. Well, we'll, we'll certainly I, I can't wait to hear it. But we got one more out to get to. So why don't we hit the whammy button? And I'm going to say, Brandon, you take it away. I love this game. I, I saw two, two things, two things. And I talked about them already. So. Why don't you do it out, you know, and and end this year in the proper way? Man, throwing me under the bus because you could not come up with a third out for this game. But to me, this one is easy because we talked about the surge that the Cardinals made in that third quarter. Mm. And it uh, it shouldn't have it shouldn't have even been that close. Because the Seahawks going into halftime, they could have really put this helped to put this game away early and it was Russell Wilson throwing it deep put just put the perfect amount of touch on the ball and as much as we've been crushing AJ Green in this you got to let Gerald Everett wear some of this for his just not being able to come up with that ball that Russell Wilson laid up to him perfectly it was a third and six and they're not able to convert that touchdown Myers has to kick the field goal Man, it, it, we would be looking at that play a whole lot differently if they don't really bounce back after, well, the one play that you mentioned on that second and one. 
Yeah, great point there. And and it's it's a you know Seattle has done this. It's one of the things where we look to head into next year about what can we clean up slash just get a little tighter with. Basically, it's ending the halves and and really both 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 parts of the game. The the ends of halves have been traditionally amazing under this team. And this year they were just le- less than amazing. And that's why we end up with the record we have. Like that's it. Um, and, and I agree, you know, like, Hey, Everett, Everett's interesting, right? I really like him. Um, I think the one year deal worked out for all sides. Let's see if they bring him back. I like seeing some Colby Parkinson. That was cool to see out there. Mm-hmm. Disley was obviously not playing. So that was good to see him get, getting some more reps, seeing like, all right, we can see this dude a lot more next year with that. I'm all for bringing, bringing GE back. However, like it's like when he has his bad moments, he's had some bad moments this year, and that was one of them. Like that was right in his hands. And we all know, you know, just from what people say and what we know about Russell Wilson, he throws a very, I would call it a very catchable ball, right? The right angle, the right loft, the whole thing. Um, yeah, that one's just got to be caressed like a baby brought in. Everett doesn't do it, so he's okay to wear that last out of the season, especially, especially when we're flipping it right back over because we did win the game, and when we win. You know, not only did we start with it in branded, but we get the brand in. So let's fire right into it. Let's go to the brand in. I'll await the serve at the baseline. Rock at it. Because this is the end of the season, the last three in, three out show where we are recapping a game. I got to give my brand in to our quarterback, Russell Wilson. It's the fourth quarter, 322 left to go. It's third and four. The Seahawks are down on the goal line. They're trying to fight back after giving the Arizona Cardinals the lead in the third quarter. And it's Russell Wilson taking the ball himself and and not just walking it into the end zone. No, no running over safety Buda Baker, punishing him on his way into the end zone. And for that toughness that Russ showed in that moment, he gets the end. I love it. And, and it, it's, it was everything too, because he takes a shot and Buda Baker comes out there, brings his hat, like lays a good piece of wood, but, but Russ, Russ ain't hearing it. Russ goes right through him, uh, you know, stretches out, you call it vintage Russ. Just when you, when you get that, that kind of fired upness, if you will, and he's coming to the sideline and coach Carroll is, is all like wide legged and like really wanting to embrace him. And they're, they're high-fiving. That's what it is. Yeah, that that is the piece that I think can give peace to the majority of Seahawks fans who are like, all right, if we bring this back, maybe there's some other changes, but if we run this back with the core, the core tenants, we're talking Schneider, Carroll, Russ, and then the team around them, that this team, of course, can be a playoff team and can be a contender. So a beautiful way to end this year's three in, three out with that particular in. And it gives me the feels, Brandon. It gives me the feels. When you see Russ that fired up on the sidelines, how does it make you feel? That's why my mind went directly to that play. It was just because in a season where there's not a whole lot to cheer for at the end of the year, yeah, you want to finish with one last win. But, you know, you it's the emotion in this game. And, yeah, if they go out and they uh, win a game like they did against the Texans where really there wasn't a whole lot of emotion uh, type moments and not like this. I, I think, and maybe it was because it was a rival. Uh, maybe it mm-hmm. was because they had lost the lead and they were coming back, but it just, it, it, it did, it felt different. And whether or not that's Pete, you know, trying to play this up as if it's a playoff game, even though it's a regular season game, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But in that moment, it just, it, yeah, it's uh, you felt the emotion more so 
than in some of these wins earlier on the season. Beautiful way to, to cap that off. Love it. Great, great in, great brand in to end the season, which only leaves, well, a couple more segments, but the MVC, the most valuable cranny. We know the whole thing already. And I, I mean, I, I hope it gets there, but we'll send it. We'll send it. You know, the physical trophy, the MVC. And I think it's, we talked about last game, like somebody there will be a good steward and and put it into the the trophy case near the, the Lombardi, Lombardi yeah. case, yeah. Yeah, it'll be there until until they kind of get back to the VMAC, which is which is fine. However, I got you know we're talking about the crannies. This is three in three out. So that that second and one play to keep Connor it basically from getting that first down when when Arizona took control of the game temporarily in the third quarter. That's the play, Josh Johnson. I'm gonna give Josh Johnson the the, the most biggest piece of the MVC because why not? How could we end the show like this without giving more love to Josh Johnson? So number 42, we hope to see more of you next year. Enjoy the MVC, good fella. And uh, you know what? It's a fun way to end what, what has been an, a bit of an odd season. But again, I'll, I'll land it where I started, Brandon. So before, before I send it oh, to yeah. the engraver, though, should I, have it, yes. should I have it Josh Johnson or should I put it under Josh Jones, who was the guy who actually made the play? Oh yeah, yeah. No, let's go with his real name. Yeah, let's go. Let's go at number forty-two, Josh Jones. I think we have a not, Josh Johnson on this team though, too, don't we? We probably do. There's Jack Johnson in case we want to just jam out to some, you know, some, some of those tunes. Yeah, let's do Josh Jones and and, and not and not uh, spell his name incorrectly. Okay, that's a good idea. If you want to become a member of the flock, you can go to getintheflock.com. Just because the season's over doesn't mean, you know, you can't join us and hanging out in the Discord this offseason. In the Facebook Ring of Honor, three bucks a month or more gets you into the Discord. Twelve and above gets you into the Facebook group. And, you know, we're going to be chopping it up through free agency, through the draft. Clinton, there's always going to be things to talk about with our members of the flock. This is the time, like you said, time of year where... You might need that that little extra bit. You know, I, I need you more tonight. I need you more than ever, Brandon, and, and this <laughs> the folks of the of the Seahawkers pod and everything else and and all the all the great stuff that happens on the Discord. It is a it is a ton of fun. And when we started three and three out, the premise was always for it to be for it to be of the people, right? And what I love is, man, Brandon, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'd say like throughout the years, sure, we get lots of feedback, but A, we get more and more and more ins and outs seemingly every single week. Uh, not when we lose so much, but when we win, we, we certainly do. And I would also say the, the folks of the flock hanging out in the Discord, hanging out on Twitter, hanging, hanging out on the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor, they've also kind of gotten sharper if you're following, following along with me, man. Like, like what they pick out. They kind of know, like, ooh, that that's a cranny, that's or that's yeah, yeah. They 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 know not to be like, oh, the uh, you know the the rust passed the locket, great pass, love it. But but the people are really really tuned into looking for those those micro moments we like to talk about, which I like to think makes you a better fan. You know, it certainly has for me. So it's uh, it's it's nice to see as we as we land this plane. We want to stay on the the positive level here, Brandon. Well, it makes it a little more fun too. It's one thing to recognize the stars each and every game. But when you get into those smaller moments where you see contributions from the guys who maybe don't always get the shine that the stars do. Yeah, it uh, it's one of those things that it gives you a total eclipse of the heart when it happens. <laughs> no doubt. So let, let us begin here. We're going to go out to Twitter. Chris Farnsworth, Chris Farnswar 14. He says into the O-line for playing a solid game. I like Kerhan at right tackle. He could really develop into a monster in the right, in the right side, I think. 
into Waldron for the way the offense and his play calling has grown, setting up plays much better by the end of the season. Brandon, any takes on, on we talked a little bit about, about Jake Curhan. We talked a little bit about, you know, beefy boy Phil Haynes. Did you see more in this AZ game where you could start to believe that maybe Curhan is our right tackle of the future? I really like both of those guys as backup offensive linemen. I don't want to go into next season having to plan on a guy that has showed something in a couple games last season where you're counting on them to be a starter. No, I want guys that are full-fledged starters protecting Russ to the start the next season. And if one of those guys happens to go down, then we have competent guys behind him. It's okay to have good depth on the offensive line. I'm fine with that. We, we, I think we came to the same conclusion last week, too, that like, hey, we, we spend big on the offensive line. That, even when we talked in the, in the preseason, like, hey, if there's anywhere that to go spend in NFL free agency, to me, it is just go get the sure thing at offensive line. Like, overspend there. It's fine. Think about, I'll give you an example. Think about what the Giants did this year. I mean, terrible team. How they haven't fired Joe Judge yet. I, I just don't get it. They brought in, they, they overspent and overpaid for Kenny Galladay, like a nice wide receiver. But in the scheme of what that team needed to be better in 2021, was Kenny Galladay going to do like, basically, he didn't score a touchdown. He yeah. didn't have a touchdown this year because it's like, it's just spending in the wrong areas based on what your team needs. Hey, a good blueprint for the offseason. Look at what teams like the Giants have done and don't do that. Yeah, do the opposite of that. Exactly. Another one here from Chris Farnsworth. Out goes to our soft zone defense that leaves the middle of the field wide open constantly. I hope we find some kind of aggressive form to our defense for next year so they're not on the field for so long during games. We still have a good team. And Chris is picking up on this, but this game started out to where they were playing a lot more man or a lot or just sticking to the guys in their zone a lot better. I noticed it early on and then they got away from it toward the end of the second quarter and into the second half. So that's a weird adjustment to make when you're doing well early on in the game to, to stop doing what's working. But uh, that is what they did. And but on the on the flip side of that coin, speaking of the yin and yang here, the we dialed up a lot more pressure in the second. That's half. true. So and, and, and that was Dunlap and it wasn't wasn't blitzes. It was. I mean, we didn't even mention Dunlap's name. We didn't mention Hyder had a good game. Taylor, again, was really good. Puna, we talked about a little bit. But friggin' Dunlap must have pushed back that that left tackle three or four times into Murray's lap. <laughs> yes, he did. Three or four times. And they I mean, have a it good was, left it tackle, was impressive. too. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was impressive. So maybe maybe a little bit softer. I don't, I'm not sure why, why, you know, like, why not both? Like, especially <laughs> if you're only rushing four, why can't you still be you know, tighter over the middle and get that that pressure. But I guess uh, if we had to choose, you know, the, the pressure did come up big in that second half, but it was it was awesome to see. Mark Antrobus at Mark underscore Antro in Pete had them playing like it was a playoff game in Brooks and Barton. Awesome at linebacker. Only downside. It might make B Wags a cap casualty. And again, Penny, hard to ignore the last three years, but possibly harder to ignore the last month. Should he be re-signed? Great questions by Mark there. Mark joined us this year, I think, for the first time. Uh, you know, came in a couple of times through Twitter. So thanks, Mark, for being out there. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. But I know we got time to talk about it. I'm, I'm a yes at this point. It's like, I'm not talking, give him huge money. But if you could do something that's incentive laden, 
two-year deal, one-year deal. I'm not saying even prove it, give him some money, yeah. but really lay in the incentives. Bottom line is the dude, when he's on, the dude is like, I was thinking more about this. It's like, yes, I know the Sean Alexander comparisons, but I really also think he's got like an the Arian Foster style runner too, where it's like he can make that one cut, he can make do the subtle things well, and he goes from zero to zero to to his top speed after that cut. Just I don't know, it's 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 impressive. What can I, what can I say? You know, super super tight. I, yeah, I would say yes to on resigning him only because I think. I look at the deal that Leonard Fournette got after leaving Jacksonville, and he had some questions around him about, well, shoot, he had that one huge year where yeah. he was almost the Jaguars' entire offense, and then he hit the, you know, he got out of there, and hardly anybody was looking to sign him because of some of the questions around him. So I think that Penny could have enough questions around him just based on those, because other teams are going to have a hard time ignoring the last three years, too. So yep. not wanting to take that big risk like you would, you know, throw out a bunch of money just like the Packers did with Aaron Jones. So I, I just I have a hard time thinking he's going to get that level of deal. It's more going to be in the one year type deal. And in that case, maybe staying in the same spot would be a good thing for him. I agree. We're going to stay in the same spot here because Mark Antrobus came right back. He says in offense playing with tempo that kept Arizona off guard and it was much more effective. Also gives an end to the O line saying that they would never be described as elite, but they had a great day. And just showing that, you know, basically going back to how good Curhan looked and, you know, uh, the fact that he's a real find at UDFA. Hey, man, again, across the board here, I, I think it, to land this season that way where it's like, holy crap, we're pushing. I know the talent level hasn't been, has not been amazing. And when we played the Rams, it didn't look quite as good up front. But, or and, they still pushed around teams down the stretch, basically did what they wanted to in the trenches. That bodes very, very well for next year. So fired up, man. Derek Split, at Derek Split on Twitter, that's two Ts, says out to all Seahawks fans who are saying that our Seahawks should sign Penny to trade Chris Carson 32. That's BS. We should consider a two-headed running back monster. Hey, if we could bring back, uh, if, if Carson's healthy, my favorite player, we, we, he's under contract, he's not costing that much. If you could bring back him and Penny, and you're talking about like what the Packers in total pay Jones or or less for those two guys, you're doing something right. You know, and and it's a position where I don't even care who you have back there. It's a position where the guys get you know even Derrick Henry, right? Even Derrick Henry this year had a had a almost near season ending injury. He might be back for the playoffs. The guy who's like, oh, he's indestructible. Doesn't really matter. You get that many touches, you, you take the brunt of those hits. Every you're gonna get hurt. That's 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 the running back position. So I'd love to see it, man. And it was good to see Derek out there. I think he was fairly new to chiming in as well, which is always cool. Bailey's been doing it all season. So at Bailey Liborn out on Twitter, into the offense, not having the handcuffs on. We tried it early and basically saying we tried, basically tried to give it away in the second half early, but they but they brought it back, is is, is what Bailey's saying there, and they got back to it. And we talked about that in this one too. And yeah, it did seem, again, it's like that progression, Brandon, of, we talked about this a lot, from the Indianapolis game forward, what could this offense be? What does Waldron actually want to do with this offense? And maybe for the last two weeks, we've actually seen what the vision was from Jump Street. Again, a little little late, but maybe better late than never as we head into next season. 
yeah, hopefully it can carry over. Going to stick with Bailey here at Bailey Liborn out. The, see this? You know what? I I revoke my out that I used on Gerald Everett. I'm going with Bailey out to the stadium. Too many injuries in Arizona. Cam Sherm now digs. Yeah, super sad. I mean, it was very. A couple things were, were positive about it. Just the 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 word on the street about like, hey, it's a clean break. He'll be back in a few months, and it's not going to be ligament damage, which. When I didn't even see it, I hate, I don't know about you. I hate those kind of injuries, not just because I hate them. Like, Oh, like, you know, I'm a good person. Like I, I will, I'm a, if I watch them, I want to vomit. Right. So, so I, I avoid at all costs watching leg snapping. So hopefully, um, hopefully Diggs just heals up super, super quickly. Most athletes like that will. And Hey, look, if Cam Akers can make it back from a freaking torn Achilles, which I was like, Holy crap, these dudes are healing up so much faster now. I'm, Fully, fully sure that Diggs can make it back. Start of next season. Prove to the team that, you know, before the season starts, that he's 100% healthy and go give that dude a new three-year deal where he gets paid like a premier safety that he is. Yeah, I'm I'm just hoping that that does not ultimately cost him some money in the offseason because the guy who's done everything right, didn't need to play in that game, still gets injured. It's just, it, it makes you question uh, you know, the, what, that, that's not fair. That's not fair that Diggs should go out that way. No, football's tough, man. And I, I always look at the the CBA, right? The, uh, the the Players Association there. And I just, I when they renegotiated this last time around, I was shocked, shocked they didn't put in more clauses for more guaranteed monies where it's not just, you know, just the, the, the premier quarterbacks and, and others getting, getting, the, getting, the, getting those guaranteed money. But they didn't really. They, they did not. So it, it's a brutal game. We, we all know that. But heal up, Diggs. All right, we got Derek Williamson. Derek W0 out on Twitter. He says, I have to say, at the end of this season, I am satisfied and happy with the DB crew. And we and we have we will look forward to them you know, going into next year. We talked about this, but it, some of it's no-name people. DJ Reed, not, not being a no-name, but DJ Reed playing really well. Got Trey Brown, Brandon, who got injured, who looked really, really good before the year. You know, uh, the year got away from him. Sidney Jones played, I think, I would classify it as good, like really, really good. Yeah. Um, just super ecstatic about what, what this DB group showed us. Uh, and, and Derek was calling out for us. Derek also calling out Daryl Taylor must have an in for getting his hands up and forcing the Cardinals to a field goal late in the fourth quarter. That's big keeping Murray in the pocket and still wreaking havoc. Yeah, I'm, I am extremely fired up for Daryl Taylor. And, we, and remember, too, the dude who gets kind of lost in the shuffle, Brandon, is, is Dunlap. Dunlap yeah. is under contract. He's, yes. he's got one more year. He's not a free agent. So it becomes one of those things. I saw you post in, in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. People were like, why didn't we play Dunlap all year? And you and you coming out with uh, you know facts, logic, reason, and stats was like, well, actually, he did play quite a bit in the beginning of the year. He didn't do much. And then they then they took his snaps back. I do wonder, like, you know, I was critical of, hey, why doesn't Dunlap play more? Could it be, do you think, maybe Carroll played it exactly right in the sense that he almost like, you know, almost like sending a dude down to the minor leagues for a second. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Carlos, you're not going to get 40 snaps. You're down to 15 until you can show us more. And he responded to that in kind. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a string that Carroll pulled during the year that kind of snapped back his production. It did work if that was the goal, because, yeah, looking at his snaps through the first five, six games of the season, 
I know I was thinking about it too, the, the, that he hadn't played much during that time. But looking at his snap counts, they're just about the exact same mirror image on the last half of the season to the first half of the season. It's just that little bit in between where he, he got his snaps dialed back. But yeah, so much more production in the second. Now, he had sacks and those sorts of things in the first half of the season, but I don't think they were in those critical moments like they seem to come in in the second half of the season. But didn't he also, like, in my memory is, I thought he only had, like, one sack through the first eight games, too. I thought he was off to a really slow start sack-wise. Yeah, I want to say maybe three through five or six games, maybe. Okay. And I know there's different ways you could look at it. It depends on if you're looking at PFF versus, you know, versus right, right. Other, the NFL.com. They keep yeah, those could have been half sacks that, yeah. So, right. Yep, that they pile up. But that, that's all okay. All right. Piling up here, Michael Paul, the man, he, deser- he deserves he deserves his, his flowers here. Not his tray flowers. He tags it 3-I-3-0 in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. He says 4-34 left in the game. Hand off to Penny. Boom. Another 150-plus yard game. I see you. Is your crow roasted, baked, fried? Suck it, haters. He hashtags it. Michael Paul is the biggest Penny fan. Hey, the guy goes for another 190 yards. What can you say? The guy's been, hey, I, broken record time for me, man. He's been I good. I don't think there's any haters left. What is the hashtag suck it haters for? <laughs> he's going he's gonna to ride that one in, until, uh, you know, until, until basically. Uh, he needs to tone it down just a little bit, though, because it was uh, five games ago where he's like, yeah, I think you guys are right. I, I'm about ready to join your side, too. <laughs> He did stick out for the longest time, though, <laughs> which which is uh, and, and again, hey, listen, my entire time as a, as a penny uh, non truther was I want to be wrong, you know, I want this to be a great a great first round pick. Which, by the way, you know, people will get on people get on Schneider and like and then they say, oh, Pete, they got to take away the I saw Flocktimus talking about we got to take away personnel decisions from Pete. I listen. If Malik McDowell doesn't crash his ATV and if Penny doesn't get constantly injured, do we look back at our first round picks over the last five years with a with a different lens? I, I kind of feel we do. Yeah, first picks, not necessarily first round picks uh, with the case of McDowell, but sure. Yeah, it's uh and you know, then he goes and kind of resurrects his career in Cleveland somewhat this year. Not yeah, you know, he's he not a good year. world beater or anything, but he played, which is amazing that he came back. He was a good defensive tackle and, and, and amongst the line where Miles Garrett was good, Clowney had like eight or nine sacks this year. So he was a good piece of that for what ended up being a pretty disappointing Browns team. All right. Continuing to move on. We got J.C. Schilling out being the only NFC West team out of the playoffs. That hurts. Yeah, it does. It's sad. JC's correct. Nothing else to say about that one. But again, J.C., you can you can revel in the fact that we'll be the only team in the West, finishing our season with a win because we know none of those NFC West teams are going to win the Super Bowl. I love it. I, I, that's, I, I, and once, and once that's kind of done, I really don't care. I don't care. I don't care for, I don't care for people like, oh, I can't stand the Packers because of Rodgers. I can't stand, you know, the Bucks because of Brady. I don't care. But it, just get those three NFC West teams out of the way and, then I'll be happy gambling on prop bets in the Super Bowl and whatever, <laughs> wherever the, wherever it falls, it falls. I doesn't matter to me. Just just not not just even, not the division rivals. Not that. Not any of those three. It, the rest, the rest, I could I could find a way to cheer for them with a few shekels I mean, on. I'll, I'll probably on the still be. Bets. I'll probably still be cheering for an AFC team in the Super Bowl. But. I mean, likely. I, I, but let's. 
a good a good discussion. Let's say, I don't know. I I, I don't think I'd be cheering for Kansas City, and I, I have nothing against Mahomes. I like Mahomes. I wouldn't want to see Kansas City win again. You know, Buffalo yeah. certainly, Cincinnati. Hey man, if Joey Joey B come out there and be the truth again, that'd be interesting. But um, Titans but, are my number one right now. Okay, all right. Are are you excited to see if if uh, Derrick Henry? does make a comeback will he be out there what do you think yeah I, i'm excited to see it but really they've had some good depth uh behind henry that they've been able to kind of keep it up on the and you know not definitely not the power uh type of guy that henry has been but you know there's a reason why Tannehill and the crew are still getting it done on offense yeah it's a it's a weird team and uh and i think i don't know to me the nfc looks dominant and we shall we shall see if that uh if that you know holds over in the final game in SoFi, if they indeed end up playing it in SoFi Stadium, which is which is kind of up in the air, which oh, is interesting. That is up in the air. Yeah, that that'll be that'll be uh, quite ridiculous if, if they spend all this time and that money on SoFi Stadium hey, and they Seahawks are out of it. Cancel it. the Super Bowl. Let's just get on to next season. <laughs> all right, let's get on to the next one here. Jeremy Green. He says, "In Diggs, he gave us a great season and left it all on the field. We should have locked him up before this season. Hopefully, we will bring him back and take care of him." He also says out to Shane Waldron, dude can't script an opening drive to save his life. Do your homework, pick plays that keep the ball moving and drive down the field and score, which we talked about that, Brandon. I was like, well, the first two plays, I don't know, but the drive after that was, was a great drive. Right. Yeah. It's uh, if, if Russ doesn't fumble that, then maybe we get that for the opening drive. Right. Garrett Strong Banks comes in with just a picture. Russell Wilson the winningest quarterback, 113 wins. And I think this is through the first 10 seasons. He passes, Peyton, was it Peyton Manning who was yep. uh, he was tied with? Yep. So this includes postseason wins. It's just total, total wins in your first 10 seasons. And he, now Russ sits atop he, uh, by himself. And there was all sorts of stuff that Russ, you know, Russ got to 3,000 yards in the first 10 seasons. Uh, I, I don't think, it, it was either like nobody had done it or, yeah, very, very 20 few. plus touchdown passes. Yeah, the 20 plus touchdowns. Like, like yeah, the dude just keeps, you know, even with a broken finger and, and the whole thing for, for weeks and weeks and weeks there. It's funny. If you go back and you go back and look at Russell's like final stats, he only threw six interceptions on the year and 20 something touchdowns. And if you just do the extrapolation of uh, what, what healthy Russ would have done, he's probably like in the, you know, she, she probably would have been like, you know, 37 and nine or something like that. He was, he was, for for all the ups and downs and and the weirdness that was there, he was actually having a pretty friggin' monster year when it was all said and done. So all right, but on, on to on to twenty twenty two for Russ and the crew. Brian deludes in there. He says in winning a game while giving up two costly turnovers. That's all I have right now. Garen Taylor with the in to Michael Paul. I don't know if we can give a member. I don't know if we can give an in to a member of the group. But this is my vote. Hashtag Penny. Yeah, awesome. Garen Taylor, give, give the love to Michael Paul. You know what? After a season-long, four-season-long, you know... Uh, and having uh, to uh, take us dumping on him for the last <laughs> three years, saying, yep. hey, this is your guy. He's never done anything. He's finally reaping the uh, rewards of being a Penny fan. Yeah, not just not just breakfast all day for Michael Paul, but now he gets, he gets this awesome in. All right, we got Kevin Russell out there on the Ring of Honor as well. It says, in, finishing on a win meaning we could start with an in and one more brand in. He also says in showing some guts and character to overcome turnovers and mistakes out the injury to Quandre. And, uh, you know, 
we, the middle one there for me, Brandon, again, the, the fact that we won this game by eight and they had to kick a late field goal and try an onside kick and we basically gave them 14 points. Like, go back and watch this game. It's delightful. We, we smacked them around the entire time and that, that just makes me happy. Chris Boucher gives an end to Carlos Dunlap, walking DJ Humphreys back into Murray's lap, allowing Kerry Hyder to wrap around and get an easy sack. Great cranny there by by uh, Bobby Boucher there himself. Chris, great, great work. And yeah, man, Dunlap. And the, the really cool part about this was I saw Dunlap do this a couple times, and then I saw Taylor do the same exact thing on the other side a few times. And I was just sitting there wondering to myself, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he's just kind of picking up, I mean, you know, from Dunlap, his technique and the way the way he does his bull rush for 10 plus years in the league is a very successful DE because Taylor was doing his best Dunlap at parts of this game and he was also being really successful with it, which again, just fires me up for next year. All right, we got Michael Paul here himself, the man, the man, the the in, the legend. He says, in, defensive stand to end the third. Sat, and he gives a little like, you know, bullets here. Sack setting up second and 20, almost a sack for third and 13. Sack fourth and long, forcing the punt, and that's when they had the the Travers Homer play, where Homer you know almost blocks it, doesn't have to block it, then tackles the guy from behind, causes the fumble, and it's recovered by by the Seahawks rookie there. So, just giving some love to that that sequence because that sequence was truly truly awesome to watch. Yeah, I know. Out on Twitter, we had the the discussion of whether or not we would discuss this play and uh, maybe give an out to the punter for the Cardinals for trying a Michael Dixon double punt. But, uh, you know, he didn't even he didn't even get halfway to the first punt, let alone a double punt. Yeah, he, he looked yeah, exactly. There was no plethora of punts for, for that gentleman. And Homer did a great job, you know, and that's another dude, Brandon, very quickly going into next year. It's like, all right, he's kind of won me over between his special teams. And when he got the ball in this game, you know, Penny, he's not. But hit the hole hard and, and get, put your nose down and go get four, five, six yards when you can. Seems quite capable, you know, and Homer is, is speaking of beefy boys. Homer got jacked this year, too. So keep doing what you're doing, bro. Michael Paul continues on giving an end to my man Penny for another hundred yards out. Russ, horrible throw resulting in effectively a pick six. Russ gifting the Cardinals two touchdowns by only needing one yard of offense. That's OK. Russ also accounted for what? Four touchdowns, right? Three, three plus the one through through the ground. So, you know. It was a net. The, the fact of him running over Buda Baker negates both of those touchdowns, especially considering the Seahawks got the win. Yes, and Buda Baker's history against us in the whole thing. So it's a uh, that's a dude on arrival. Where like I love that guy. Like that guy's he's fun to watch. He's he's a good player. I will cheer for him as an individual and uh, cheer for his red burst to go down. Go down in agony. Yeah, they they have we, too many players like that on the Cardinals, unfortunately. Yeah, they they, they have a few. Let's head on over to the Discord. We got Jeremy Evergreen. He says, out, Shane's opening drive play scripts. So talking about that again, you know, I, again, it's like, I, folks, I hear you, but it was a fumble on the second play of the game. We got the ball back and we drove right down and tied it up seven to seven. So I hear you, but I'm not sure I agree. Car car with the out, though, the O-line giving Russ nothing. And as much as we're excited about this game and some of the play of guys like Curhan and Haynes, the offensive line in this game, when Russ was dropping back and not getting rid of it right away, he was having to dodge guys way too often. And that's why I'm hoping they really build the offensive line this offseason. It was, you know, Russ did a couple of Houdini style things this game, and then he would like break out to, the, to his right mostly. 
and find somebody on the sidelines. You know, he did that a lot where in past games, he's either getting sacked or he's just, he's not converting when he does, when he does escape. So good, good call up by car car there. We got Monet. It's a crime. The discord saying out the announcing booths talking only about the stupid Redbirds. So was kind of pissed off that all they wanted to talk about was the Cardinals. Meanwhile, we're smacking them on their home turf because frankly, we're actually a better football team. Yeah, that continued after the game, too, with all the the talking heads nationally talking about how the Cardinals laid an egg in that game. And uh, no, they just they just got beat by the better team in that game. Yep. And people are just coming to realize now that the Cardinals, the second half of the season, haven't been a good team. No, they're pretty trash. Moving on to Beast Mode 24 in Carlos Dunlap with another batted down pass in a key situation, which unfortunately led to an unnecessary out for Green with the neutral zone infraction penalty that kept the cards drive alive on fourth down and an in to Brandon Adam Clinton at Phil for another great season of Seahawks coverage. The season was hard to endure from time to time, but your podcast made it a whole lot easier and kept me and probably all the other little flockers in here optimistic even after some unnecessary and devastating losses go hawks nicely said there by christopher all the way from germany that is beast mode 24 good job dude car car back without we finally hit our stride the last few games of the season that's that side of it it's like man oh man what what could have been if we we just turned it on and didn't lose to some stupid teams brandon design pete's beach house says in decent looking first half out looking like ass at the beginning of the second half. <laughs> yep. You know, Amy uh, says it like it is, and uh, she ain't wrong. We almost we almost blew this game in the third quarter. We talked about reasons we didn't, which was nice. Love to see Dr. G in the Discord. Heard lots about Dr. G when you were down in Houston. So Dr. G says, got to give the end to Dunlap on that Hyder sack. That's a beautiful job there, right? To recognize Hyder played pretty well. One of his better games, very disruptive in this game. That particular play Dunlap like takes 17 dudes with him and, and the hider is able to just, you know, find a crease, get in there and get a huge sack. DK's deltoids. Hector Mark says in penny for the killer touchdown and digs for being digs. They both deserve game balls today. Yep. And we see a couple from car car and also flock miss prime flock flock miss says out state farm stadium claims another Seahawks DB. Boo. Boo. And Carcar also said out Diggs potentially getting less money in the offseason because of this injury. But she also says in Russ feeling truly like the Russ we know and love. Everybody loving Russ at the end of the game. S. Lopez 7597. Hearing the Seahawks chant at the end of the game was awesome. Gotta love the oh. fact that the, so many Seahawks fans went. We heard you. Yeah, that was awesome. It really was like and it was, you know, started like in the late third, early fourth quarter after the penny run, the big penny run. I was like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're dominating the stadium again, which is awesome. So all right, Amy designed Pete's beach house. She says in finishing with a win. Cause it's not, you know, you can't, you can't finish a season in the first quarter, Brandon. Moving on to Floxtimus in relying on Belor to make a hole for that last first down. Yeah, we saw, we saw Belor playing a little bit of fullback, a little between two Belors, if you will. And he got it done out there. It's funny. Belor has grown on me, certainly like from a, 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 a standpoint of uh, him being an awesome teammate. I think he's super valuable on special teams. When, when he had a fill-in for linebacker, he was really, really good. The one thing I don't think he's that great at is a fullback, but I guess I can live with that. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. So yeah, It's uh, funny how he's won us over after the, these few years. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I used to rail on Ballora. It was just the fact, it was like, I don't want to see him out there. Like he's not a successful, he's not a successful fullback. Yeah. And it's almost like the Seahawks agreed though. You know, like he doesn't play fullback very often. Don't know. No, you know, he's, don't know he's you our special teams dude, a defensive fill-in dude. And yeah, sometimes fullback. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes fullback, exactly, which is fine. Frost says in, got to watch 17 games this year. Not all of them were great. And there's lots of outs along the way. But you know what? There was a ton of ins as well. Can't wait to do it again in September. Also says in, I know a few people whose jobs are secure. Adam, Brandon, Clinton, and hopefully Phil the Protector won't be going anywhere no matter what the record is. Thanks for this fun season. And thanks to the flock for all the banter this year. Now let's go get on to a championship offseason. Frost, that's nice of you, man. Mighty kind. Yes, I really appreciate it. Man, I, I like how you worked in these nice comments from, from everybody putting them in there. That's, that's very cool that everybody's, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they write them, I clip them. Not, not too hard. Hong Kong Hawk, anti-carolers out. Two great performances to end the season means we probably run it back. And it was great to see Bloomy back out on the, the Seahawkers pod ring about her. Kind of softened that stance a little bit, right? He was like, well, you know, and, and other people have said this too. If you listen to... Um, Oh, she I think it was some of the dudes from uh, from Hawk Blogger. Mm. And they were talking about, they're like, I don't know, like after seeing the way this ended and kind of anchoring back on culture and the way the team didn't give up and what this could be, I think there has been a large kind of coming back to, all right, you know, things are probably not that bad. Even, even at its worst this year, we're probably still a pretty darn good organization. Uh, and one, another one too, Rob Staten, I listened to his post-game show. He was still more along the lines of, he's like, oh boy, do I fear that these last two games are going to sway people and the front office to be like, no, no changes needed. We don't need any changes to run it all back. So there's, there's a pretty wide spectrum still out there, but I think most people came back to the, the grounding of if it's Russ and Pete, we're going to be fine. Yeah, we'll have to see what the changes are this offseason. I, I do agree that there should still be some change made. I just, I don't, and really even with the last two games, I don't think it would have, I don't think the anti-carolers, as uh, Hong Kong Hawk put it, I, I, I don't think they would have been satisfied. I think he was going to come back this year, regardless of what happened the last two games, but maybe we will still see some changes that appease some of the people who are, who are upset with the team as well. I, I'm I mean, and I don't mean to put that in another group. I, I'm not happy with how the season went either. So right. I, I would like to see some changes. Josh DeHuman says, I am fine with both Carroll and Russ coming back as long as we beef up the offensive line and defensive line and get some more quality depth at defensive back, drafting a second round center and getting a veteran left tackle slash right tackle that are healthy and stable would be good to keep Russ upright and help Penny run. I think Josh just uh, put his hat in the ring for for GM there. Nicely done there. And we have Saban. Saban says, in Russell Wilson for taking accountability in this press conference. Finally felt like the real Russ. Yeah, easy to be accountable after a win. <laughs> <laughs> right hand Dan says, out just watching the game in 40 and heard the commentator shorten, hesitate to hezzy. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. It was it was kind of brutal. It was kind of brutal. Although I, I did, even though I didn't agree with Schlereth Stink, at the early part of the game, I thought they were a pretty good crew. I thought they were uh, better than hearing the back-to-back Akeem Tlaib days that we had uh, the last two weeks. Oh, I like so, it. I like Akeem Tlaib. He's all right. He's all right. It's all good. Better than all right. David, one, two, three, in. Run blockings for Penny. Massive holes. 
I mean, great point, right? I mean, the holes, again, back to Curhan, back to, dude, Posick played well down the stretch, right? I mean, credit where due. Yeah, I know everybody, he, I know people, but he played, he played better than okay. He played yeah, good. Look at those okay. freaking holes. Again, I, you know what? If he's our backup center going into next year, that's fine. All yep. right. Yep. Strike yep. up the Anderson, man. Let's bring in Hong Kong Hawk to close this thing out. Do it. He gives an in to the Jets pick, dropping to number 10. Nice. You know, it's, uh, we might as well. I grew up on Long Island. I grew up surrounded by Jets fans. And, and, and now I just pity them because uh, they're not a good organization. But it was, it was, I'm very glad at the end of all this, it's not the fourth pick. It's not the fifth pick. You know, 10 still pretty darn high, but way better than like, you know, giving the Jets the fourth or fifth overall pick. So nice. The Jets to- can find a way to screw up a 10th overall pick. I don't know the top five. Well, they could find a way to screw that up too. Yeah. The Jets, the Jets screw up most, most things. Although they, they, uh, if, again, Jets or Giants, like who's on a better trajectory? Boy, oh boy, is it the Jets, which is uh, not saying a lot. Once again, Look at what the Giants do and do the opposite, or at least at the very least, don't do what the Giants are doing, and we'll probably have a pretty good offseason. So, Brandon, we got a launch now into this offseason. I just want to say thanks, man. Super fun year. We're not going anywhere. We're gonna we're gonna do, we'll have some stuff, you know, throughout the playoffs. We'll probably probably figure some things out. We certainly will be back over the offseason as as all the chatter gets going. But to the put to the flock, everybody out there that contributes, has fun with this, Discord, Ring of Honor everywhere else on Twitter. Just super great to, to be able to come together and talk Seahawks. Not the final result we wanted, but at least we get to end on a high. And now we get to see what the heck is going to happen in this, in this interesting offseason. And let's bring it back for, for tw- we're still undefeated, Brandon, in 2022. We're still <laughs> undefeated, undefeated in 2022. It's still there. Yes. What a, a fun season, Clinton. Uh, you know, you go across the span, not just of Seahawks podcasts, but all podcasts out there. And I don't think there is a unique format quite like this one. And uh, just thanks to you, man, for continuing to keep this going this year. I had a blast. Thanks for allowing me to, to ride along. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it again next year. Very nice. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.